Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to yet another rip-roaring episode of The School for Dumb Women, the podcast that sifts through the internet to investigate the things that you're too proud to admit you know nothing about. I'm your hostwoman, PE dropout who got a note from her mum, Hannah Farrell. With me is science flop, Alexandra Haddo. I had a one-hit wonder with a Bunsen burner and then it was curtains for me, Hannah. Well, actually no curtains. What I'm trying to say is I burnt down my science classroom. And lost her virginity in a French lesson, Carolina Donahue. To my credit, Hannah, it is the most romantic lesson to lose your virginity in. This week we're investigating why a dog should have replaced Sandra Bullock in Gravity, where continuity announcers go when it gets dark at night, and we've got a very special guest, Daisy Buchanan, on to tell us why two married couples from Sweden changed the world forever. Well, the show must go on! Hannah, that's Queen. Yeah, that's not... That's not her. <laughs> Caroline, you look like a fish out of water, or as it's also known, a dog in space. What's happening? That is how that popular phrase goes, yes. Yes. (laughs) God, I've got no friends in my office. I'm like a dog in space. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it makes sense. It actually, I mean, yeah, it sort of does. Like, who's a dog going to be made with in space? But why would a dog be in space? Well, that's the thing. Why would a dog be in space, right? It's so weird. Like, everyone knows that... um, you know, the Russians sent a dog into space. Laika. Like, I've been saying Laika. Laika, maybe. All I know is it's the one pub quiz answer which nobody ever asked the question for. And I'm yeah. like, I know the name of the dog that went to space. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're close personal friends. <laughs> I'm very on brand. I don't know what you're talking about. Really? I know the monkey in space, but not the dog. Yeah. Oh. oh, well, listen in, my friend. Okay. I've got quite the tale for you. Um, so, well, we've spoken before about the space race. Um, I touched on it in my subject on the moon. The moon. Yeah. So um, we all know that after the Second World War, there was a Cold War between Russia and the US, where while nobody was directly attacking one another, there was this incredible fear after the atomic bomb that they were their nuclear weaponry was advancing and nobody knew what who mm. was doing what. Yeah. And it was very, very terrifying because like this Pandora's box had been opened. And so the way that they were both channeling all that sort of anger and frustration was the space race. So like who can who's technology can advance fastest to send people or things into space and have them survive. And that was sort of like, that technical prowess 
was kind of almost seen as being indicative of how advanced their military technology might be. Right, okay. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's kind yeah. of like that reverse thing. I was like, oh, well, if they, if, their sp- if their spaceships are this good, then how good are their bombs? Yeah. Whereas <laughs> Which, probably they were putting all their money into the spaceships and being like, we'll never have to use the bombs. Like, yeah, completely. It's, it's, it's a very weird form of reasoning, but it kind of makes sense if, if you have two governments exclusively run by paranoid men. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, no. Completely makes sense. Um, so this brings us to Sputnik. Okay, Sputnik, I know, was a, a vessel. A ve- <laughs> <laughs> you can say that about literally anything. This is very Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. What's the, you know, a like vessel. a, was it a rocket? So Sputnik 1, there's three Sputniks, um, was a uh, satellite that was sent into space um, in 1957. So several okay. years before the moon landing. God, it's a long time ago, isn't it's it? a long ass time ago, my friend. And uh, yeah, so um, the Russians were the first people to ever have a satellite orbit space. Um, so Sputnik went up into the air, went round space, yep. <laughs> went went round the earth or Did whatever, and everyone was like, "Jesus, we've done really well here, lads!" Like Russia are on top of things; we're really excelling. And this was in, I think, mid nineteen fifty seven. This happened, and Russians were really high on their own garbage at that point. They were like, "We're really good at this." <laughs> and so the guy who was the leader of the Communist Party at the time, Khrushchev, he was like, "Do you know what's better than one Sputnik?" Dos Sputniks. Sputnik 2, <laughs> the rescue. Yeah, completely. And they were like, okay, so we, we've proven we can send something into space. What if we could prove that we could send something living into space? Right. And the Americans at that point, I think they had already experimented with monkeys, um, but that wasn't really working out because the monkeys kept having heart attacks in space. Oh, of course they did. I know, oh. very stressful. And so, um, 1957 also happened to be a really important year for the Russians because it was the 40th anniversary of the October Revolution, which was when they overthrew the Romanovs and started the Communist Party. Right. So he was like, all right, October Revolution, 1957. October's only a couple of months away, lads. What if... For the 40th anniversary, we sent, wait for it, a dog into space. <laughs> oh my God. This just sounds like a weird, like, memorial concert. But with it's a dog. weird. It's like a weird Cards Against Humanity for running yeah. the Russian government. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a dog into space. What type of dog was he or she? <sighs> Lads, this is where it gets really hard for me and I'm really sorry in advance. I've never cried on the podcast. I've come close a few times, but it could come today. Right? Oh no. She looks a lot like my dog. Oh. So much so. I mean, um, if any of you follow me on, me or Dumb Women on Instagram, you might have seen my dog, Sylvie. She's a little Jack Russell Terrier. I'm about to show you guys a picture of Laika. Tell me this is not Sylv. Oh my God, it's actually oh her. Oh my God. It's I can, actually I can her. confirm that Sylv has been, is the reincarnation of... Look, lads. Look at her. Oh my God. Shovel. So, um... Me and my boyfriend the other day, we were um, we were lying in bed. It was like Sunday morning. The dog was like literally asleep on my tummy. It was like a picture of domestic bliss. Oh. Yeah. And we started talking about like, we literally were like, oh, what was the breed of the dog that went into space? And then we Google image and we're like, oh my God, it's exactly like Sylv. So then we got into the Wikipedia page and by the end of the day, we were just, in the morning, we were just crying. Yeah. Um, so um, they decided, Khrushchev and uh, his team or whatever, that um, they were going to send Sputnik 2 up and it was going to be in time for the um, October Revolution anniversary thing. And that only gave them a couple of months to prepare. So the satellite was literally designed from like sketches on napkins. Oh. So first of all, rushed job. Oh. Not a great indication of how things are going to go. Yeah. Then. Well, they are called Russia. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Jesus. I've been avoiding loads of dog puns, so let me have that. Yeah, no, that's good, man. I support you. Um, <laughs> and so um, one of the head scientists on the job decided, like, 
you know what's great will take a stray dog there's so many stray dogs in Moscow the fact that they're surviving in these freezing temperatures and managing to feed themselves must be like an indicative of how strong they are so right. will and also it's kind of good propaganda right like a dog literally taken from the streets of Moscow yeah. he like was a ex- little scamp and yeah. look at him now yeah totally and it's like very much the Russian spirit isn't it's it like, like anybody can dogs. totally yeah. but it's like it's so common isn't it it's like even the lowliest worker can be ascended to the highest yeah. thing yeah this is true like even the lowliest dog and um so they they said that she was a husky in all of the things because I think it's a dog that people associate with Russia but actually she was a terrier just like my dog and her name was Laika they picked three dogs off the street and they eventually went with Laika because she was the nicest one. Oh, don't send the nice one. Send the bitey one. Send the bitey one. Yeah, she was really easy to train. She was like, everybody who worked on the team was absolutely in love with her. She was just like, like the epitome of just a good dog. Oh, did she have to like push any buttons or anything? She had to be trained to like eat a special kind of gel because obviously oh. you can't send her up with bloody yeah. pedigree chum. Um, so she was just trained to eat this around. gel. She was trained to like um, stay still within a very confined space. She was trained to all kinds of things. And apparently she was just a joy to work with and everyone loved her. And it became very, very clear that this thing that they had designed would never come back. Oh, So they knew that before they sent her? They knew that before they sent her. And the head scientist who, had, who was working on this the night before the mission, he smuggled her out of the facility. <gasps> He brought her home so that she could play with his kids for one night. She could have like one night as a normal domestic pet. Where is this film? I know. I know, guys. She she had one night playing with his kids. And then they went back to the facility the next day. They strapped her in to her little shuttle that wasn't even big enough for her to turn around in. And he kissed her on the nose and just put put the visor down. And launched the dog into space. <laughs> <laughs> oh! And and then and they said apparently it was. I mean, like guys, this is Russia in the fifties. Like the fucking show trials are happening. Millions of people are being sent to gulags and being killed and stuff. Generations of families are being wiped out. It's a tough time to be alive in Russia. People's sympathies are not high yeah. for like random dogs. But like apparently the entire team were just destroyed by this because they all knew she wouldn't survive. Mm. Oh! And so they sent her up into space. She survived for six hours. How six, did they know that? She had, she had like, because they had monitors on her. They'd strap monitors to her. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, they, the, the, she was given enough food for eight days. But because how badly the thing was, Sputnik 2 was constructed, mm. um, she just overheated and basically cooked alive oh, in this thing. Oh, my God. Apparently, after like two hours, she did start eating her gel. <gasps> so she was just like, my friends will be back soon. I'll just eat my gel. Oh, I'll just sit in this hot car and eat my gel. Yeah, but I think she like she then she just like died. Her she orbited the Earth as a dead dog in space. <gasps> oh, and is she still there? I don't actually. I, don't, I can't remember. I think maybe it just crash landed at some point. I'm not sure. How has Babe been made? Which was great, and not because there's not a happy ending here. Yeah, and the thing is, and the, and the the Russian propaganda at the time said that she was alive for several days and she was heralded she was on stamps she was heralded as like this Russian hero who had like given up everything and the symbol of like what their movement was oh my god she's the Evita of dogs she is the Evita of dogs she's Eva Peron um, <laughs> and and the scientist the head scientist who took her home to his kids years later on like basically on his deathbed he said we did not learn enough scientifically to justify the death of this dog oh 
Like this was just something a press mission. This really. was just a showpiece. It was just yeah. a PR thing, and a, and a lovely dog died. Oh, imagine like her friends on the street though. They'd be like, oh god, like her was in space. She's in space now. Yeah. They'll never know. Let's take solace in that. They'll think that she went on yeah. to be a Russian. And they're all dead now too. Yeah, the they 50s. are. Yeah. Mm. They probably but then, froze to death. Then a few years later, um, they launched Sputnik three, and they sent more dogs up, and the dogs came back. Oh, good. So oh. there you go. Well, that's something. Yeah. That is something. God, what a lovely slash awful story. It is an awful story. And it would be such a wonderful, like, Pixar film, but you just couldn't get that ending on. Yeah. Like, there's no way of dressing that up. Do you know what I mean? Having said that, one of my favourite cartoons is Anastasia, and that's the grimmest film. Yeah. The grimmest sort of, like, premise ever. So maybe they can do it. I don't know. Well, Pixar, if you're listening, and I'm sure they are. I bet you this has been, like, like, it's probably gone into development several times. Yeah, this has probably been floated, like... A few times. Yeah, yeah, it's too it's too beautiful a story not to, but just like Maybe they'll change the endings in a classic kind of American way. They'll be like, nah, she came back. Yeah. And she yeah. came back. She's and still she's been alive. living and hiding ever since. <laughs> yes. The Amelia Earhart of dogs. Yeah. <laughs> but like guys, I just want you to imagine what it was like for me. Hungover, Sunday morning, dogs asleep in my bed, looks exactly like the dog in space, hearing about the death of this dog. Oh my god. Aww. Literally we were just holding her and crying. It was very pure. Oh, does Sylvie know she's not going to go to space? I don't know if she does. I feel like they all of the dogs that look like like us share a common destiny. <laughs> Maybe she will go to space. Who knows? Let's hope she doesn't. <laughs> she stays on Earth. Yeah. Well, let's hope she comes back. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, she's yeah. very ambitious that way. Oh. I taught her how to do a puzzle the other day, lads. That's I right, saw. Gosh. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw. Yeah. She could go into space. We're taking her into space. <laughs> <laughs> Now it's time for our occasional segment, Women with Dough. Where we talk about a financial issue every week. Guys, I'm really sorry. I have to interrupt our regular scheduling with some very tragic news. Oh no! Oh god, is Richard from Friends problematic now? Did someone tell my last Bumble date that I'm not actually allergic to skin? No guys, it's something a little bit closer to home. I'm afraid our close friend, Alex, your close friend in particular, Yeah. Richard Danu of the Woman with Dough segment will not be attending today's mixer. Is he okay? Oh, that's... um... Uh, Because of his recent death. What? Oh my God. Yes, Richard is dead now. We won't be hearing from Richard anymore. Do we we know why? Well, I I mean, I just got this telegram before we started recording from his personal secretary, Angela. And Hannah, I'm just too upset to read it. Can you please do the honours? Who the fuck is Angela? (laughs) (laughs) He never told me about Angela. (laughs) Okay, hang on. Richard Danu was killed jumping between train carriages atop the Orient Express. Stop. He is believed to have been fleeing the TV licence people. Stop. His body was found in the Siberian wilderness with three throwing stars in his left arm and a sachet of super noodle curry flavouring in his breast pocket. Stop. Oh my God. I gave him that. Sounds like an expensive telegram. It was very long. It was our farewell gift. I'm so sorry, Alex. I know you and Richard were close. He was a lion of a man, Caroline. <laughs> a lion. And I heard him roar. <laughs> Luckily, th- <laughs> Luckily, though, we've learned enough about money from Richard so that we can still host our regular Women with Dough sessions. Oh, fine. Carry on. So, you know, this is very on point because this week we're doing how to split up your inheritance fairly. Oh, so, gosh. yeah, Richard's assets have unfortunately, and according only to his secretary, Angela, have been blasted <laughs> into space. 
and we're not receiving anything oh. from his estate. He did always say that as per his wishes. Yes. He yes. didn't want anyone to profit from anything that he'd ever stolen. Sorry, made. I thought yes. given your short marriage to him in 2005, he would have left you a small token. But no, nothing. No. Um. So... I thought it would be a good chance for us to talk a little bit about inheritance. What do we do with it? Are we getting any? Who knows? Um, I don't think so. I got um, a very, very small amount a couple of years ago and I did the adult thing, which was spaff it up the wall Mm. on a four-month midlife crisis trip, which I thought was all right at best. So inheritance is a weird subject to talk about, isn't it? Because no matter what way you uh, talk about it, Someone has died. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't yeah, it so weird? Yeah, yeah. It's so weird that everybody I know who has a house um, has it because someone died. Yes. And like, what's very weird, so um, my grandfather died earlier this year, which was very sad and he, we were very close and I loved him very much. But also, um, apparently the grandchildren are receiving some kind of uh, segment of the sale of his house. Okay. Like, how do you how do you talk about that tastefully? Like, how do I, how do I look at my sister who's got two children and be like, I deserve the same amount of money as you? But I guess you've got to sort of think in the future you might have two children yeah. as well and kind of do it that way. But yeah, no, I know I don't think anyone would grow in me. <laughs> Gavin does. <laughs> hey! Hey, boner joke. Boner joke. Um, yeah, I know dead. what you mean, but then at the same time, your sister and might be totally comfortable and you might not be. It doesn't matter about kids or whatever, you know? I mean, how much do kids really need? They need angel delight and a uniform. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? They cost approximately twelve pounds yeah, fifty a year. Yeah. yeah Save true. up for an iPad. Give it to yeah. Christmas. Don't see them again them for ten that. years. Yeah. yeah fantastic. <laughs> There's also um, uh, something very controversial in the UK called the inheritance tax, which means that if um, someone has left you over three hundred twenty-five thousand pounds, it uh, gets taxed forty percent. That's loads, yeah, isn't it's it? Bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're giving like. Around a hundred and fifty-ish thousand pounds to le gouvernement. Yeah, yeah. We. yeah well, we. I think that I think the traditionally liberal stance is that that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. But, yeah, but my but dad, no one's left many money of that amount yet, so maybe I would feel differently. Well, this is the point that my dad made, who is also very liberal, but he is really against inheritance tax, and he's managed to persuade me because if let's say your granddad had three hundred twenty-five thousand pounds to give mm-hmm. you, right? He has already paid tax on that money. Oh, true. Oh, yeah. So why should you be... Double, why should you double tax. Double tax on it. Not double tax like an extra 10%, 40%. Yeah, mm. I think I would be much more comfortable with inheritance tax if there were other ways in which people could afford homes. Yes. Well, it's one of those things that you know there's people that get around it. Yeah. And they get around it because they've got loads of money to do so. Well, I, well, I can't wait. Um, my favourite thing about looking forward to dying is uh, leaving a very complicated will with lots of caveats and not that yes. many payouts. Yeah. Except if this person insists that they are Hufflepuff on their Twitter bio. Yeah. For yes. more than two years, then they cannot inherit the gold chain. You will get nothing of the Haddo estate. I used to be obsessive about um, making my will when I was a kid. I used to like rewrite it every few weeks. That is weird. Oh, have you got a will? I mean, if the one that I hid in the coal shed when I was seven <laughs> is still valid, I guess. Sure. But I would like, I would, because uh, I was also learning percentages at the same time, so I would divvy up the percentages depending on which of my siblings I preferred that week. <laughs> <laughs> who, what would you leave to who in your will? Oh. And remember, this is legally binding. Yeah. Oh, God. Like the space dog, I suppose. Yeah. I'd, I'd build a monument to her memory and I'd um, ask you guys to tend to it throughout your natural born lives. I would. Okay. Yeah. 
I would leave you both my little black book so that when Gavin and Haran die, you can <laughs> feel close to me. Hannah doesn't shagging... say her boyfriend's name on the podcast, Alex. Oh, sorry. That's verboten. So You're that out when... of her will now. <laughs> so that when Gavin and Hannah's mysterious anonymous boyfriend die, yeah. um, you can feel, well, when, and when I die, you can feel closer to me by sharing a peen. That's nice. Mm. I think uh, I'll leave my estate to dumb women and it can only be spent on sponsoring ads on Twitter and Facebook Mm. so that everyone on the internet will hear about our podcast and then we'll have to be sad because I died and we can't do it anymore. It's going to be so good for publicity when you die. Or hire a celebrity to take my place. Ooh, which one? Mm, Patrick Stewart? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Either or. Good. I'm glad that we all know what we're doing with our wheels, guys. Great. Well, RIP Richard and you. Mm, RIP like a space dog. Big week for mm. death. Yeah. RIP all of us at some point. Yes. No one's getting out alive, guys. No. <laughs> Hannah, you're world weary and yet still relentlessly plugging endless episodes of The Simpsons to us. What's going on? Yes, this week, Caroline, I've become a continuity announcer. Do you guys know what that is? No, not at all. So I'm bit. assuming it's that person that's like, and now on BBC One. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's the person who appears on TV or the radio in between programmes to just tell you what you've been listening to or watching and what's coming up next. Um, and yeah, they're called continuity announcers. Are they real people? They are real people, yeah. And basically I decided to do this because I was watching TV the other day and uh, someone tripped on their words and got something wrong and I was like, oh, for God's sake, like, why didn't they just re-record it? It would have taken 10 seconds. I like, always That's think really that. stupid. Yeah. Turns out... A lot of them are live. <gasps> Why is really? that? Really? Yeah. I never I never would have assumed that there's someone sitting there buzzing in in between the programs and being like, and that was episode five of The Simpsons and next up we have Malcolm oh my in the God. Middle. Oh, flashback. Malcolm, Malcolm in, in the Middle. middle. <laughs> that's deeply that must have been like where, I was going to say. <laughs> but I, that, that's the only reason why I used to think they must be live because sometimes they would muck up. Yeah, yeah. So apparently um, on the... Big kind of UK channels, so like one, two, three, four, uh, five, I think as well. Um, a lot of the time, their continuity announcers are live. Just is that because, because it's like if the football overruns, it might not be The Simpsons followed by whatever? Yeah, partly. Yeah, it's because they have to be able to respond to stuff. Like if the football overruns, um, if someone dies, and they have to put a different program on. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. There was a really cool interview with an announcer called Claire Gibb in The Guardian. She does the continuity for BBC One and BBC Two. Um, and she says, we do it live because a million things can happen. If anything goes wrong, you need to be on it. You need to make sure that somebody is there to apologise and take the lead about whether you're going to come back to that programme or switch to another programme. And then she goes on to say, when I was at Film 4, Heath Ledger died. (gasps) And it meant we couldn't introduce the film he was in in the usual way. So we had to instead turn it into a tribute to him. Wow. Yeah, which makes sense, right? Because you can't be like, oh, now that handsome man, Heath Ledger, God, he's lively, isn't he? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely alive. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, it kind of makes sense. And she said as well, which is quite sweet, she said it's almost like you're the warm-up guy for the other acts, like you're a part of everyone else's excitement, which is quite sweet because I suppose, yeah, if you were sitting in a studio and you were like, oh, this is going to go out in two weeks' time, you wouldn't have a sense of anyone actually watching, whereas when you're doing it live, I don't know, maybe you could like look on Twitter and see that everyone's kind of talking about Babe the Sheep Pig that's just been on or whatever, Mm. um, which kind of makes sense. 
How do you get that job, though? Is it just like you've got a nice voice? Are you a voiceover person, basically? Sort of, yeah. But also, the continuity announcers that do it live, and probably some of the other ones that pre-record it as well, um, they have to write their own links. Because I would have assumed that there was somebody uh, in the back ends of the studio somewhere writing the links. But Mm. no, the person who says it writes it most of the time. I loved it when like the BBC, probably about, what, 15 years ago, was like, oh, shit, we should probably have some different accents on here. Yeah. yeah. And then everybody was like, and now on BBC Two, Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer, shooting stars. Yeah. <laughs> well, I used to always love um, back home when it's like, oh, you'd have a really American show like The Simpsons or something, and then the announcer would come on and be like, and that was Bart, Lisa, Simpsons, Marge. Sure, isn't Marge having a dreadful time with Homer tonight? <laughs> Oh. Do you um, reckon like the continuity announcers on like ITVB are like, and now on ITVB, Love Island. And if you want to use my sponsored code to get 30% off some lashes, <laughs> it's, it's hashtag. Yeah, Claire you Gibb. could totally do some sort of subliminal messaging in there. Yeah, that's you? what I was thinking. Like, Alex, yeah. I think you'd be really good at that job, actually. Do you I think? think you could, yeah, because you've got like, you've got a very smooth voice, but it's also common enough for the... Uh, oh, thanks, man. Uh, and it's yeah. quite clear as well. Um, but we'll, maybe we'll test that out later. Oh. Um, some more continuity announcer facts. Um, obviously, they have to do the admin stuff, like saying, oh, there's flashing images in this program, or there's strong language. Oh, and viewer discretion is advised. Um, they have to watch all the programs. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not necessarily kind of job. all of them, but they have to definitely be aware and kind of know what's happening, know what's on. Um, they have to be ready, like we said, to react if the transmission breaks down. Um, they have to stay on brand. So whatever kind of voice the channel has, they have to like, you know, be like, hey, I'm Channel 4 and I'm really cool. Saturday yeah, yeah. morning. Um, and they're like, it's kind of a marketing job. Like they're selling the programs, aren't they? They're like, oh, we can't miss this. Yeah. So, like, yeah. And now Will and Simon are up to no good in the in-betweeners. God, you are good at this. You are very good at this. Wow. Um, in the early days, continuity announcers on TV used to be filmed as well as having their voices recorded. Oh. Um, so there were literally people who just appeared on screen between programmes. Um, this is some information from Wikipedia. And just kind of as linking material between programmes. And apparently the early announcers became celebrities in their own right and would get fan mail. Oh, which is nice because actually, yeah, you're seeing all these different people in these different programmes, but then you're seeing one person consistently or like, I don't know, there'd be a rotation, right? So let's say five mm-hmm. people, you see them consistently, you watch them like, I don't know, you watch TV every Wednesday night and every Wednesday night John is on and yeah. you're like, oh, oh, it's John, he's so handsome. That's a bit like a German, a German friend I have told me that uh, in Germany, overdub artists, because there's only three or four of them for like films or whatever, they'll develop their own fan bases. So you wouldn't necessarily care about whether you were seeing a Bruce Willis film or a Leonardo DiCaprio film, but like, oh, it's Hans Schmoon. <laughs> Hans Schmoon is overdubbing this. I love his voice. Yeah. You know? Oh my God, I fancy Hans Schmoon. <laughs> Uh, I found a couple of mistakes. I searched the worst mistakes continuity announcers have made and there were two that were just so bad that they kept coming up and nothing else was basically in the Google results. Go on. So the first one in 2016, an ITV continuity announcer got the programme wrong and introduced the ITV drama The Level but said it was BBC Two's The Fall. I don't know what these programmes <gasps> Not even the are. same channel. Is this I the, thought you were going to say yeah. like you said something racist or yeah, something. Like, no, no. The biggest drama that's ever happened in this profession because they're doing okay. Yeah. I know, it's not so bad, is it? The other big mistake of a continuity announcer was someone talking over the end of a programme which was still on and it was ITV again and it was this morning and it was 2016 so maybe it was the same it's a bad guy. year. It's Brexit, you know, people were distracted. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
and like Holly and Phil were still talking and then a guy's voice kind of chimed in and was like practicing and he was like loose women coming up this Tuesday lunchtime <gasps> that's so interesting um, and then apparently he says to like whoever is in the studio you've got my light on there haven't you and um, then presumably it kind of comes off but yeah oh, it's Aww. quite quite funny and quite like grounding Aww. to know that so There's just people there watching over you, watching over your TV set. That's so nice. One of my earliest ever memories is I'm um, being in the car with my dad. I was about five, and we were listening to the radio, and uh, I just we just heard this woman scream suddenly, and then a chair fall over, and she was like, "Oh, I'm I'm very sorry. A mouse just ran across my desk." <gasps> and I, like, I think about that all the time. They're real. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> real a mouse turned my mic on. <laughs> Okay, so I have a game now, guys. Mm-hmm. I feel like, Alex, you're going to be very good at this. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you some situations, and you're going to tell me how you would continuity announce it. And this is the test. Oh, okay. Oh, continu- no. I mean, I'm I made so it badly. up, so it's not an actual not, test. got a lovely Irish accent, which can't go wrong. I know, but I'll just tell a long anecdote about the Dixie Chicks for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Okay, so Caroline, you're on Channel 4. Mm-hmm. You've just had six episodes of the new <clears> series. <throat> I'm saying I have to get in the mood first. Yeah. Let me just straighten the spine. Cool. Oh, you've got I'm nervous. Very Forget cool. I'm from a colony. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> okay. You've just had six episodes of the new series of The Simpsons, mm-hmm. and you have eight more episodes to go. It's Sunday. You've been watching all of them. How do we go into this? So, if you're just joining us, we're halfway through our Simpsons marathon of the day. No, the episodes aren't as good as you remember when you were a kid, but they're familiar and yellow and you're probably spaced out anyway. Let's face it, we all are. Coming up, Homer has a problem. (laughs) (laughs) I love this really good. Okay, Alex, one for you now. Nervous now. Someone found a dead body in the attic on Homes Under the Hammer, and now it's time for Songs of Praise in Corby. Her one's way more exciting than my one. (laughs) Um, well... (laughs) Well, I bet David Dickinson wasn't expecting that. (laughs) And now we transfer over to my hometown of Corby for a lot of other old people who aren't dead yet, but are very close. It's songs of praise. (laughs) That is great. You've won that one. But in fairness, you got the funnier one. No, I thought yours was good. (laughs) Have we got one more each? I've got one more each. Okay, yeah. You you have a chance to redeem yourself. Okay. Okay. Round one to Alex, though. I think we're all agreed. Okay, Caroline, here's your one. Um, a documentary about Harvey Weinstein and hashtag me too has just finished and now you're introducing season 13 of The Handmaid's Tale season 13 <laughs> women are really still miserable okay um, what a searing documentary about a man who let's face it looks like a testicle kicked across a barbershop floor <laughs> coming up an indication of how far we truly have come as a race since the allegations of 2017. It's The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> that was your finest work. <laughs> okay, Alex, uh, okay. this is the last one. And this is uh, quite specific to you. Okay. Okay. Cliff Richard has been found dead. <gasps> and you are introducing a tribute programme to the life of Mr. Cliff Richard. Okay. Oh, God. Ooh, heavy. Okay. And now on BBC One, we're very much never going on a summer holiday ever again. <laughs> For those of you just tuning in, Sir Cliff Richard has been found dead in the swimming pool of Sue Barker's home <laughs> after a fondue party. We now introduce Rylan talking us through his, his life in song. 
Wow. An audience with Rylan, colon, Cliff Richard. <laughs> oh, my God. BBC, if it's gotten all a bit too expensive for you over there, we've got very cheap talent sitting right yeah. here. Yeah. Her name is Alexander Hallow. She's not doing anything of note. She can be torn away from any project. Genuinely. <laughs> I feel like this is my calling. Yeah. Very, very good. Very proud of you, hon. Sue Barker. To be fair, I wouldn't blame the woman. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So guys, I've got a bit of a confession today in that uh, I didn't actually have time to research my segment because I was obviously researching about how to reduce my plastic intake. Oh, of course, which, as ever. As you know. Very on brand for you, is, agree. Yes. Um, but I have managed to magic up a human woman <gasps> to come in to the studio, pretend you've only just seen her. Oh my <gasps> God, she's hovering down from a cloud. She is. And she's here to talk to us about a sexy subject. Um, it's author, writer and general sex bomb. Daisy Buchanan, hello. Hello, I'm so excited to be here. Thank oh. you so much for having me. I'm a big fan. Daisy, you're here to tell us about one of your favourite topics. It's some Swedish swingers who still wanted another man after midnight. Who are you here to tell us about? Ooh, I like what you did there. I'm here <laughs> to tell you about ABBA and my Yay. consuming oh. love. My first question for everyone about ABBA is how old were they when they realised that ABBA is a, is both their initials and a rhyming scheme? <laughs> I think that's so why a palindrome. It's so good, isn't it? That's why they were. That's why they were called ABBA, wasn't it? I know, but it took me a long time to realise. Oh, it. you know, this yeah. is one of my few smart facts for you that they had to clear it when they decided on the name because for a long time, this is the patriarchy for you. When the group was formed, I think they were just called either Bjorn and Benny or Benny and Bjorn. <gasps> the girls just sang along. And then, and they were trying lots of different names. Nothing really worked until they were like, hey, our initials spell ABBA, which isn't a word, but it could be. It will be. But there is a Swedish cannery who I believe make tuna and, well, they, they didn't make the tuna and vegetables and such, but they put it in the cans. <gasps> and they had to go and ask their permission if they'd be allowed to be called ABBA. And, um, they sort of said, "Oh yes, of course. Just don't um, don't bring our brand into disrepute." Oh, the cannery is called Abba. Mm. Oh, so I think in Sweden you still can buy Abba tuna or Abba lentils. Oh my god! Amazing. Oh my god! My pun brain is going into overdrive. <laughs> 
No, I haven't got anything yet. It'll yeah. come. It'll come, yeah. It'll come. It's, it's, it's booting up. That, yeah. Those dial-up noises are starting. Yeah. I hope they weren't out of tune. Hey! <laughs> I don't Very think we could do better than that. Thank you so much. So, Daisy, what is ABBA? ABBA were... And now what? They're a pop group, very, very famous in the 70s and 80s. They became super famous in this country in, I'm having a panic now, I believe it was 1974. Don't worry, you can play it fast and um, lose with the or facts. Possibly yeah. <laughs> when they won the Eurovision Song Contest. Ah, which oh, yeah. Which is how they started. Um, and that was in Brighton. So I think that here no in the UK, we've always had quite a affinity with ABBA and yeah. loved them. Um, I discovered them when I was, I think, three or four at the oldest because I remember the house that we used to live in. My dad had like the scary, enormous family stereo. It's probably like a vinyl thing with enormous speakers and a. But you're not allowed to touch. You're not allowed to touch. <laughs> Obviously, the cabinet that it was housed in was made of raffia, which is possibly the most sure. 80s thing I've ever <laughs> Why heard of in my life. It was like a, rac- a raffia wicker combo. Ooh, yeah, I was about to say, I can wicker, really feel it. Like, I'm really yeah. there. You I'm know, really shut your eyes room. and you can see a, a yucca plant and Paul Simon crew. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we listened to Voulez-vous. It's such a sort of a mad, sexy song. And even when I was four, I was like, oh my God, what is this world? Yeah. The mm. beat of it and this idea. And even though I didn't really know what I knew, I could sort of imagine, you know, like nightclubs and martinis and cigars. Yeah. And I don't know what was going on in there, but I just thought, I, I need more of this in my life. Yeah. This is great. And, and so, Voulez-vous is like definitely the best song as well. Do you a, think so? Can we just get that out right now? I always forget um, about that one as well, but it is yeah, one of the best one ones. Of my ones. I like the Sorrow ABBA much more than I like the Party ABBA. Do you? I, I love, love Winner Takes Abba. It All. Mm, I love um, yeah. Slipping Through My Fingers. One I love of Us emo is my favourite. One favorite of Us is a tune. My question about ABBA is, what happened with them personally? Because were they married when they formed the band? Or... Were they like pals and then they got together? They weren't married before they formed the band, but I think that they became romantically involved quite quickly. I would have to check this. I know from um, a documentary that was on Channel 5 a few weeks ago um, that Agnetta married her stalker by accident. What? What? When the group disbanded, she really, really struggled to cope with the enormous amount of attention they received. And so she bought a house in the woods. Yeah, and she became she a recluse, didn't she? And, yeah, and so there was this guy who had been watching her and managed to kind of weave himself <gasps> into no. her life in a way that made her think oh what a coincidence it's you again maybe this is a sign from the universe it was not a sign from the universe he's been in his car watching your house for three weeks oh no sounds like a dating story Alex told us recently actually (laughs) the divorce proceedings are going through (laughs) wow I mean I have many questions about that but also um, (laughs) Frida after Bjorn was married to a a crown prince what Um, I want to say Denmark but um, but Frida was was royal that's amazing. Wow. As she should have been. Quite. All along, really. <laughs> and I feel like like everybody, like the other three, I'm not sure what the, what's the other man's name? So there's Bjorn and... There's Bjorn and Benny. Benny. Benny's got the beard. Yeah, well, so... I don't know how, what his face is doing yeah. now. But. <laughs> I feel like the other three were like, 
yep, okay, ABBA was a thing and we had a lovely time and now it's done. And then I feel like Bjorn's still like... He's hanging in there, he's isn't he? He's still like... Any, I feel like he, at ABBA sort of conventions whether he'd be there or like yeah. he's still... But was, they have reformed actually, haven't they? They've recently reformed to, to make two to new songs. bringing new songs. Is it later this year? Yeah, I think so. And I'm really quite apprehensive Yeah, I would be it, as well. As you can imagine. Also, the second Mamma Mia is coming. I have a terrible confession to make, which is I did not love the first Mamma Mia. I mean, what's not to like? Why didn't I like it? And I think, <laughs> the thing is, I think yeah. it was having to share Abba that I resented oh, so deeply. I completely understand that. And also, I think it's a very context-dependent film. That's Definitely. True. And it's like one of those films that's kind of so bad that it's good. Like, you have to acknowledge that it's not going to be like a kind oh. of legitimately good film. Daisy, your book is called um, How to Be a Grown-Up. It's out in paperback now. It's fantastic. And I love it. It's so Thank wise so and so funny. And what I'd love to know is how. what are the different ways in which... ABBA helped you to grow up? What were the lessons you imbibed from ABBA? Oh, that's a really sweet question. (laughs) (laughs) I think I learned a lot about love and heartbreak from pop songs and from ABBA. I think that firstly, and this possibly hasn't actually served me as well as I thought it might, because I think that um, humans in love, and maybe men in love especially, are a lot less complicated than ABBA sometimes made them seem. (laughs) But this idea that you could, that, you know, love was going to be complicated and painful and artistically beautiful because of that, I think that stayed with me. And I, I guess they were very beautiful and confident. And I think it was interesting as well, even though we know they were two couples writing about their relationships and it's weird I mean for example I think that one of us was written for Bjorn for Agneta to sing which is a bit weird isn't it mm. very to be, weird to make the person who you feel the most hurt by and angry with be the mouthpiece for your emotions yeah um, yeah Fleetwood Mac did the exact yes. same thing yeah what's that one shacking up is all you want to do or something what's that song again go your, uh, own, go your way. own way yeah so he wrote that for Stevie Nicks wasn't it yes and isn't that the one that um, Christine McVeigh wrote about someone but she told the other guy that she wrote it about her dog <laughs> amazing <laughs> <laughs> that Fleetwood Mac song I want to have sex with you big sexy hound <laughs> oh, what? Famous, famous song that's crazy isn't it that's very strange what I think is so interesting about ABBA and Sweden by extension is that like Sweden has this weird affinity with they're really good at making pop music because yeah. like folk music and like musicality is so at the centre of their culture and like to just to like, like I went to a Irish Swedish wedding and halfway through the ceremony like the bride sisters just stood up and began singing in perfect harmony and it was the most natural thing to them in the world. They're and just they've got life sorted, haven't they? So they're just them, sing happy disco songs. Yeah. And like um my so my, my Swedish friend, her brother is a songwriter and he tried to get into the Eurovision for years. It's so competitive. Every other person in Sweden basically oh. enters. And uh he had to wait until he had a Bosnian girlfriend to enter it under her name as a as a Bosnian entry. <laughs> And then he got to the semi-finals of the Eurovision. Really? Wow. Yeah, he didn't, his his final song didn't actually get to the to the main thing, but yeah. Well, actually, not everybody in Sweden does like ABBA, do they? Yeah. Interesting link. Yes. Yeah, so I have a Swedish friend called Tuva, and um, Tuva. she hates ABBA. She really hates them. And that's quite common. Tuva. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And I remember when I found out this about her, I was just like, hang on. Like, I've kind of, I've known you for a couple of months. How did I not know straight away that you don't like ABBA? It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, but I asked her anyway why she doesn't like ABBA. And um, she sent me a little voice note, and this is what she said. 
Mm, I mean, I don't hate ABBA. I mean, I would definitely pick ABBA for karaoke or late night drunk silly dancing, but there's something like too happy about them, like too sugary and all smiley faces. It's like all too perfect with two happy couples and stuff. So yeah, that's my Swedish point of view about ABBA. They're too happy. Swedes don't like happy. I would say that I don't. It's feel like it's like she's not watched the end of the film. They both broke up, <laughs> and one of the lyrics is "One of us is dying." <laughs> yeah, but I like I absolutely know what she means. It's a very happy atmosphere for a lot of the kind of more dancey songs. Like if you listen to Abba Gold, there's very few of the kind of like That's sad true. bits in there. It's all oh, kind of like about, Dancing um, Queen, like Mamma Mia. The winner takes it all is one of Abba's biggest songs, and that is yeah. That's devastating. True. That's true. But I do. I think that if you. If you're mainly exposed to ABBA at weddings, then you could absolutely, you know, come away being like, yeah, you know, Dancing Queen is hardly... Yeah, it's like if you only ever listened to the Grease Megamix, you'd think that it was not, like, a horribly distressing Yeah, Or for me, (laughs) I thought Queen was just, like, Bohemian Rhapsody for ages. Right? What is this band? I remember (laughs) hearing the first time I heard Killer Queen, I was like, oh, they're awesome. They're not just, like, a stupid dad band. But, yeah, so maybe it's also that thing that, like, there is a lot of ABBA in Sweden generally. Generally, and if it's mm. kind of pushed on you too much, then you're yeah. a bit like, oh, really? These guys again? So maybe, this is maybe how that's I feel. kind of what Tufa is like yeah. experiencing. I think everyone has that because it's how people from California feel about the Eagles and it's how I feel about James Joyce. Ah, <laughs> I <yeah>. just want... <laughs> I thought you were going to say the cause. Or like you too. No, I love the cause. Love you too. James Joyce can just shove it up his arse, which he'd love, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I do think um, ABBA make me happy. They really do. Yeah, yeah I think we should too. we should stick with Daisy's point of view. I think. Mm-hmm. Daisy, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Um, if people want to find out more about you and your books and your life, how can they do that? You can find me on Twitter, where I'm at not roller girl. On Instagram, I'm at the Daisy B, like a buzzing bee. Oh, yes. <laughs> Please follow me on Instagram. No one follows me on Instagram. Oh. I'm very thirsty and lonely over there. I do. They're great. good grams. There's lots of lobsters on them. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. Before I go, I think we should do this in harmony. <gasps> oh. Chickadee, tell me what's wrong. <laughs> You're enchained by your own sorrows. In your eyes, there is no hope for tomorrow. I don't really know the answer to that one. I was amazed. I thought you were all just going to be like, what are you doing? You went with it. You all went with it. Oh, we're all up for a sing song. Yeah. Yeah. I love a sing song, but I couldn't remember it. We've got less guests who haven't sung. Well, it's nearly the end of the episode, which means it's time for our smart lesson. Each week in the smart lesson, we try to become better versions of ourselves because we are not good enough and we should always be aspiring for something. Otherwise, what would we spend money on? Hannah, I'd just like to pick you up there. Was that better versions or better virgins of ourselves? Because if if it's the latter, I've got a confession. (laughs) Guys, I thought we were all wearing purity rings for a reason. We're all saving ourselves. For each other. Yes, yes, I have done that. We're saving up for that three-way dildo. That's what coffee money was for. We've got two of the heads, we just need the third. I know, yeah. 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 I've Uh, got some sticky tape, so we'll save on that. (laughs) Oh, there we go. 
Anyway, this week is no different because we're going to be learning how to go to a gym class. Oh. Do you guys go to classes? Do you take classes? Um, I sign up to a £50 for a month yoga thing on different email addresses. Yep, I also do that. <laughs> Literally, this new studio is like 10 steps away from my house, so I have no excuse not to go, and I still find excuses not to go. Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. Thank you. There's a new studio that's opened up just opposite where I work, and it's so eye-wateringly expensive that every time I go, I'm like, I have to work out the hardest I've yeah. ever worked out. So yeah, it kind, yeah. of, kind of works in a way. It's so expensive. That's what I mean. I only do it in stints every now and then where I'd get like a month pass. But other than that, I'm not a gin goer at yeah. all. Anyway, so we've got some tips on uh, how to pick a class to go to. So depending on your personality, obviously you want to do something different. Sure. Um, so do you have a hunch you would be into BDSM if you tried it? Why Ooh. not go to a military style boot camp in the park and uh, get shouted at? Yes. Maybe I would enjoy that. Yeah. I actually, okay, I go to those classes. I don't know about BDSM. Maybe. But, um... <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I'm open. <laughs> I'm open. But the classes are great. I really like them. It's Maybe just like, you're a secret kink bag. I know. Yeah. Do you know what I think it is? It's because, not not like to shade you or anything, but you're like, you're quite pernickety and you like everything to be sort of right in a way. Yes. Like, like this podcast. And yeah. Stuff. And like, it, like seriously, if Hannah wasn't the person like telling us how to do things properly, it would just be like recorded into a tin can every week. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I feel like what you enjoy about that is that like, you're like, oh, I'm not in control because someone much more authoritative than oh me is in God, control. Oh my so God, so deep and so completely accurate. Yeah. Wow, you know me. I do. You're how do you how do you feel about planes? Do you love being on a plane? Yes, because I just tune out. Exactly. When other people are in control, you're just like, mmm, delicious. Oh god, maybe oh, I should god, try I... BDSM. You love it! Well, there we go. Okay, next. Are you the person who wants to practice holding in a fart for an hour? Try bar, which is an hour of opening and closing your buttocks. Oh. In a room full of very, very attractive women as well. Yeah, there are a lot of classes like that. I'm going to put bar in the same way as uh, Pilates, yoga, etc. They yes. they do attract a certain kind of tiny, beautiful woman. Yeah. And that if you're, you need to be very okay with yourself. Especially, I mean, I do a lot of yoga and you spend so much time looking at your own feet and oh, realising yeah. how gross they are. Mine mm. is so gross. And I always want to like buy somebody a drink that's behind me in a yoga class because they have to look at my fucking horrible feet. I know. <laughs> and like you are and like you just like throw on your shitty sort of gym gear or whatever and everybody else is wearing like an ankle bracelet. Yes. And yes. Like, like, and they're all wearing stuff that I'm like, you've spent what I would spend on like a nice dress yeah. on what you're wearing in this. I'm wearing like a team building t-shirt and some old leggings. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm wearing one. a t-shirt that was thrown out of a cannon in 2012. <laughs> 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 or bought in a packet from HMV yeah, during a yeah. clearance sale. Um, lastly, do you want to pretend to go to a class, but you're not actually going to go to the class, so you want to make sure nobody ever asks you about it? Um, you should try CrossFit. Oh, or, yeah. Or yes. don't. Still don't know what that is. No, me neither. That's the, yeah. that's the beauty of it. I'm sure I know people who do it, but I've never asked. There's a CrossFit thing near my house, and one time I saw a group of them tied to a bus pulling it. <laughs> so... <laughs> So wow. yeah, it's, it's all it's, it's all about like sort of like fitness you can find like oh this broom why not stick it up your arse <laughs> and like I this was... tire drag it across fucking you know the entire postcode it's mad uh, you definitely want to try some of those ones that are just like two words smashed together like boxer size yeah I was about to say if you own um, any sort of prosecco merch you want to go to one of those classes that's yeah, like yeah. salsa sizer box yeah <laughs> yes yeah people like I I actually love those ones that are 
which is like something you've never heard of, which is like yeah. a form of dance and a form like rhythmic salsmastics. Yeah. Ass jumping. <laughs> Ass jumping. It's always like one woman, she's like, right, I don't know how to pull this off. <laughs> She's like, people have actually turned up. I know. I'm going to put on a Sean Paul remix. <laughs> Slide rumba. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So we've got some tips as well on how to actually behave in the class once you're there. Because obviously, like, you know, it's one thing choosing class, but you have to know what to do when you're there. We mentioned already Lululemon. Lululemon? Yeah, is it Lula- what Lula- is it? Lululemon? Yeah, Lula- whatever it is. I think it's French is. for a lemon. Yeah. Yes. Whatever it is, like Le no Mans. other outfits are allowed. Yeah, no, that no is the only. If you are a female in her twenties or thirties, you need to wear Lululemon. I think you're allowed um, half in the class if you're wearing sweaty Betty. Yeah, sweaty Betty is oh, acceptable. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Lululemon is the is the numero uno. Yeah. Um, I do have to say that um, if I'm ever in an exercise class with somebody, and you know, at the start of the class, the instructor will go, uh, "Has anyone got any injuries that they need to let me know about?" Um, what I do is, um, whoever puts their hand up and holds up the whole class, and they're like, "Yeah, I actually I hurt my knee last week," and without fail, the instructor will always then say, "Okay, we'll just take it easy." I mean, that yes. is literally. Oh my god, <laughs> you are so right. So what I'd like to do is, I do the whole class, but then afterwards, I take them outside and shoot them. <laughs> Like oh. a dog in the street. Yeah, no, get get them out of the out of the gene pool, please. I, I, There's no other advice that they have. No. Yeah. Why bother? Uh, my next tip: make sure you sneer at anyone who's still using plastic water bottles. Yeah, because of actually, we're all about mm. reusable water bottles now. And uh, God, you are killing the environment. Agreed. Mm. We all know that I would love to be sarcastic about this, but it's my number one passion <laughs> in life. So, do you know what my favorite thing to do at the end of the classes? Again. I only do yoga, so this is the only act that I have. Um, when you know, and like everyone wipes down their mat at the end, and yeah. they like swab all their sweat off as if it's going to do anything. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> this is such a bitchy thing to do. I love like when wait till someone's like uh, clean their mat and then I just step on it. <laughs> Sweaty I know, I just think it's really funny. I just think it's really, really funny. I don't know, because I just like, it's so dumb. It's like, what is even in those bloody squidgy, squeezy things? Yes. Like lemon water, I'm And like, sure. how often is anyone washing those cloths? It's yeah. like such, it's like, we're trying to pretend there's any hygiene here. Yeah. And we're all slamming our bodies into the same bit of rubber. Yeah. And that's are so absorbent as well. You can see it soak up. Yeah, like you it's can. in there already. When your hand's a bit wet and you put it down and it's just like, oh, and then it's gone. You're yeah. like, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. so, we're all getting hepatitis off those maths guys just yeah. accept it and move on <laughs> something else to remember making eye contact or cracking a joke to someone else during an exercise class is basically the same thing as watching someone else take a shit and staring <laughs> them in the eye uh, make sure you don't do that correct. correct oh my god I've had so many things like that before where do you know how like when you're doing yoga or whatever and they go like and everyone like turn your heads on the mat turn your right ear to the mat yeah. and I'll put my wrong ear and I'll suddenly be making eye contact with them <laughs> oh, oh yeah <laughs> It's so why is it so bad? Or if you say like if you're in a yoga class and you're like, oh sorry, it feels like you're shouting into a cavern like I have farted. (laughs) Okay, next one. If you have to stop at any point, you've been working too hard. You need a breath. Put your hands on your hips and pant like you've been trying harder than everyone else. Uh, Ah, especially if you're a dude. Yes, which leads me on nicely to the next one, which is if you are a man in a class that is mostly made up of women, you have to make sure you make as much noise as possible so that everyone in the class (gasps) knows that you are still a man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're all much smarter about gym classes now. I'm proud of us. 
I've burnt three calories. <laughs> well, that's it for another week of, let's face it, complete banality. <laughs> we hope you're doing a Madonna and dancing around in a gym to a remix of ABBA with a group of mates that you've probably just hired to make you look cool. Yeah, if you've enjoyed this episode, please do go and give us an honest review on the Apple Podcast Store. As always, thanks to Gavin Day for our logo, Harry Harris for our jingle, and Soho Radio Studios for our recording space. Good Borg! Boy! Can't wait to be Bjorn again. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.